anybody watch the uh, new trailer for Venom? I did. I'm, uh, I remain unconvinced, but I guess I'm willing to pay my money to see it in the theaters, no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> As someone who's not saw... convinced, but I'm still part of the problem. Right. <laughs> Speaking as someone who saw Electra. Ghost Rider 2 and Fan Forstick all in the theaters. Wow. I've only got Fan Forstick out of that video. I dragged Charlie to Ghost Rider 2 once. <laughs> That's true. Oh, man. Somehow that is not a blind spot of all of these movies. <laughs> You're just in the wrong place at the right time. Well, hello. And welcome to another edition of the Gobeski Walls Report. Specifically, episode 111, our second installment of the Gobeski Walls yeah. Report. I'm Adam Gobeski. And I'm Charlie Wallace. And we have with us two guests, Paul Wilcox. Nice to be here. And Douglas, Doug Gobeski. Wait, Doug counts as a nickname? This Wait, what? How is Doug a nickname? Doug's just my name. I mean, sorry, sorry, sorry. I mean, hi, thank you. Great to be here. <laughs> Uh, we can all right. We can try it again. Uh, Doug Douglas Gobeski. <laughs> Great to be here. I don't actually know if we're rebooted or not. That's why I hedged the bets with episode one eleven, <laughs> number two. <laughs> Remember, we're bringing some stuff along. We're not bringing other stuff along, so uh, we can reset I, but keep the episode numbering system. I assume it's just a matter of time before we undergo a crisis on multiple podcasts and just combine them both. <laughs> <laughs> Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. It's like, Let's all go Man, to the just, website so just... we can see which uh, installment this is, because I forget again. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm doing as well. <laughs> yeah, this is 15. Wait, what? Ah, what? 15 episodes in the new canon already? I guess it depends on whether we're importing the old canon or not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm kind of confused about this right now. Uh, you just have to roll well, with it. because you weren't involved in the reboot, just like me. Should have never rebooted. <laughs> Paul, he's got an upgrade. He's a yeah. sorcerer now. I, you know, I'm pro- yeah, I got... Yeah, f*** you, Paul. I got <laughs> killed. <laughs> I'm podcasting from beyond the grave. <laughs> I believe it may have been Alex who suggested you die. <laughs> Sounds <Why>? about right. <laughs> so rude. But yes, we are importing all of our old Merry Marvel movie March episodes into the new canon. So this is our 15th installment of our March. And this time we watched the 2003 uh, Ang Lee directed movie Hulk. Yes, this is our final 2003 film, bringing us all the way up to late June. Not to be confused with The Incredible Hulk. This one's just Hulk. Not the Hulk. Not the Hulk. Just Hulk. As my uh, trivia patrons discovered a couple weeks ago, to their dismay. Oh, no. (laughs) Did you, uh, you were very uh, strict about that? Well, so the question was, which uh, of the following movies starred eric banna was it hulk or the incredible hulk oh <laughs> no <laughs> sorry i didn't have a choice did anybody just put down troy no no one put down troy okay. <laughs> so which of us had actually seen this i'll go ahead and say that i've never seen this one before how is it you've seen all these weird movies on cinematic respect but like mainstream classics <laughs> you're like nope never seen it <laughs> You are A.O. Scott. Get out of here. I'm <laughs> uh, pretty sure I'd seen this in theaters. Uh, I'm going to guess with Doug, although that's not a certainty. I Man, I don't know about that. I more think I saw this one on DVD first. Well, I'm just, you know, just because it was out during the summer around my birthday, right? So mm, fairly I, confident I saw it in theaters. And then, you know, uh, got the, the DVD. Uh, I think I used copy of the DVD. And then the HD DVD. Oh, nice. Ooh. Yeah. So did By you the way, HD DVD when it was like a toss up or no, was that I got, I, got, I got the HD DVD when Zia records here in uh, 
Arizona in the Phoenix area was having a blowout on all their HDVDs that all marked for a dollar each. <laughs> <laughs> the best ones were sometimes they had the HD DVD slash DVD combo formats where you got one of each, but those were also a dollar. And it was like, oh, well, I can just get Hot Fuzz here for a dollar instead of paying eight dollars for just the DVD. Oh, wow. <laughs> Smart. The HD DVD uh, actually has negative value. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want that stupid you. disc taking up space in the case. <laughs> Contaminates everything that's near. What about you, Paul? Had you seen this movie? Uh, uh, I had not. I might have like saw some random bits and pieces at times, but never, never had seen it okay. in its entirety. Yeah, the impression that I'd had of this movie over the years was that I knew that in general it was not particularly well regarded. Um, so I kind of thought that it was going to be a really bland, boring movie, and it was not. <laughs> I mean, we'll get into whether I really liked it or not, but they were. I think Ang Lee was going for a lot here. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot there that I, I remember at the time I was. Like when I first saw it, I was very much negative towards it, but uh, I guess we'll have to wait till we get to the number rating portion. Yeah, but I that's think true. I may have softened a bit. I think I've softened a bit over the years on it. But as far as a Hulk movie itself goes, uh, apparently they'd been trying to get one off the ground since about 1990, because that's when they had wrapped up the last of the TV movies of the Incredible Hulk TV series with uh, Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno. And so then they apparently spent a lot of time trying to get a Hulk movie off the ground, just went through, you know, various scripts and directors and things. And ultimately, we just ended up with this. I don't think there was anything too crazy or exciting about the, the writing process. Other than it just took a while. And there may have been some arbitration on various drafts who wrote what, but, you know, nothing that uh, meaningful as far as I could tell. Like, no, no examples of uh, Hulk being like a, an alien from Mars who was sent down to earth or something like that. Right. <laughs> like yeah. no, no canon films draft of Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's red in this one. Player two Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> Get the orange Blanca. <laughs> <laughs> so the original comic version of the Hulk, he gets his powers when they're testing a, a gamma bomb, gamma radiation bomb. And he rescues a young person named Rick Jones, a teenager who's just out on the test field out in like New Mexico or something. But he ends up absorbing like the blast instead of Rick Jones because he's out on the testing field. And yeah, he like radi- Rick into a ravine or something. Yeah. If you've ever seen the Simpsons episode of Radioactive Man number one, that's uh, actually surprisingly close to how Incredible Hulk <laughs> one goes. Uh but yeah, obviously they they updated that a little bit here with a lot of uh, genetic modification stuff happening in the 60s, apparently. I don't know that any of that is in the comics. I don't think it is. So. Pretty sure it's not. Uh, one thing that is in the comics, though, is the idea that Bruce Banner uh, underwent trauma as a child, you know, abuse at the hands of his father in some way. Uh, I know that because I remember that we actually had one of the comics from the, I believe it's the Bill Mantlo run in the the mid eighties that deals ah. with some of that. So, so that part at least is uh, taken uh, at least in some respect from the comics. And uh, I, I recall at the time when I first saw it, you know, being kind of annoyed by the the weird mutant dogs <laughs> and being like, "These are stupid." <laughs> yeah, like I still think they're stupid. But I have a better appreciation now for the fact that a lot of the time the Hulk's enemies were stupid. So, so <laughs> the weird mutant dog things is true to the spirit of the Hulk. <laughs> so Hulk is the story of one Bruce Banner, who is a, a research scientist. In this version, he's uh, interested in tissue regeneration, and he's doing that with a combination of nano meds or something. Yes. And uh, gamma radiation. So the gamma radiation part still comes in. Mm -hmm. Uh, The difference here is that his father, David Banner, which is a nod to the TV show, because in the TV show, Bruce Banner is actually named David Banner. Uh, David Banner had 
experimented on himself with uh, regeneration stuff and then passed that on to his son when he uh, uh, had a son. Con- yeah, when he conceived his son. <laughs> uh, so when an experiment goes wrong in the lab, Bruce absorbs the full blast of the, the gamma radiation that they're shooting that activates these uh, dormant cells in him and transforms he also, him He also got a good uh, huff of the nanomeds. And it, there's probably some interaction with the nanomeds too, yeah. So. Yep. And uh, at that point, that kind of turns into a... It's kind of like a... An, an action movie slash psychological drama almost. Uh, I mean, it felt more like a B movie with an A movie budget to me. Uh, like, I didn't really think, oh, psychological drama. I more felt, this is cheesy. Well, it's just in the way that, uh, you know, they're attempting to explore, like, the, the mindset of Bruce Banner and saying, okay, it's not just the fact that he's got gamma radiation and weird stuff in his body that turns him into the Hulk, right? There's actually something mental there. There's trauma that he suffered. Okay. Yeah, with the whole repressed memories and dreams and that sort of thing. Right, and the fact that it makes him fairly like emotionally distant, and then uh, Betty Ross seems to his Betty Ross being his love interest, played by Jennifer Connelly, uh, seems to also be carrying some you know mental baggage, some emotional baggage there. So daddy issues. Yeah, daddy issues all around. Eric Bana has uh, has uh, suffered some emotional trauma at the hands of his father, played by Nick Nolte. Basically, his mother was accidentally killed when his father was trying to kill little hulk basically right he sees that his son is a bruce yeah bruce <laughs> can i call him yeah, he wasn't hulk? a hulk yet <laughs> no, he wasn't gamma irradiated that's yet. true uh so well, he, he did turn green at he believes his son's a monster so he attempts to stab him and then ends up stabbing uh the mother instead here's my question so so in this movie does he only turn into the hulk when he's angry does it have to be anger specifically or just like emotional pain? It seemed pain? to be anger. It seemed to be anger specifically. Because what bothered me a little bit about the, I guess, acting in the script of this movie was that there were quite a few scenes where Eric Bannon was getting mad, where I thought that maybe another emotion would be more appropriate, like a more conflicted emotion or like a more subtle one rather than just straight up anger. It basically... Yeah, yeah, example, but, yeah. But we have an example of this. I thought we did a good job of uh, establishing that he has difficulty processing his emotions, though. Oh, so do you think it's more like mis- anger because he doesn't know how to yeah, process like his you, emotions specifically? Yeah, you, you kind of expect him to be to be doing it inappropriately a little bit. Do you have an example of what you're talking about? Doesn't he turn into the Hulk at one point because he's remembering a fight between the mother and the father, but he doesn't know that the mother was killed yet, right? Well, but I think that's... I mean, do you think that... Yeah, I, I would think that more like... It, up, yeah, it. yeah, that's more to do with the repressed memories coming up, right? Hmm. It almost seemed like any reaction to strong emotions, it was like, now he's angry, Hulk mode. Like, any kind of... Yeah, I don't think that the movie really came down saying, like, he has to be angry specifically in order to turn into the Hulk. I Other mean, there is the illusion at the end. Man. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's because the illusion is actually a reference to the TV show. Oh, that was his catchphrase. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Oh, mm. but yeah, it just yeah, it was just a lot of Eric Bana seething and putting on his angry face. Whereas yeah, I, I mean, I know he can do more. So it just would have been more interesting to see the subtle stuff, more subtle stuff. And I was wondering whether it's because they thought, oh, well, he has to be angry in order to turn into the Hulk. But I don't know. I think Doug makes a good well, point, though. Well, about what like emotion maybe. do you want him to show instead? Uh, more confusion or more being depressed? Or why would con- why would confusion or depression turn him into the Hulk? No, it wouldn't. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so let me, if I understand what you're saying, yes, you're saying you would like a movie starring Eric Bana <laughs> called Hulk. <laughs> In which he almost is never actually the Hulk. <laughs> yeah, so like the first 40 minutes of this movie. <laughs> no, but I don't know. 
What I'm saying is that his response to almost everything is anger. In order to turn into the Hulk, even in situations where anger might not be the most normal emotion to feel. And I suppose that could be part of his character. I'm just going to throw this out here. Picture in your head, if you will, the Eric Bana Hulk with the caption below it saying simply, Big mood. Nobody here is a Twitter user, I guess. Hulk, mm-hmm. Eric's big mood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? Paul, can you explain that, please? Huh? Can you explain that, please? Eric's big mood? Yeah. What's oh. a big mood? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I guess just like a big mood, you know? Got strong emotion, I think. There might be some sort of meme backstory to this, but I, I don't really know. But, uh, like a strong, wow. nondescript emotion? Apparently, Does this come from? Is there apparently, can you... apparently, Paul explains the internet didn't make the leap to the new canon. <laughs> no. No. But that was my favorite well, segment. <laughs> <laughs> no, it did. It did. I'm just so far in the future now. It, you know, keeping up on the me is probably just too far back. In the, yeah. In, uh, That's some deep meme lore, you know. I, I feel like I was seeing lots of big mood memes like six months ago, which I mean, that's like, I don't even remember that. Do you guys remember that? I don't know. Yeah, the Know Your Meme uh, entry is pretty hard to follow. It's meant to be relatable. That's what it's supposed to mean. Hmm. Okay. Isn't that just TFW, though? Mm, I like this. Uh, I like this Urban Dictionary you know, relatable set in response. Like Jeremy says, I hate avocado. <laughs> and Susan says, big mood. Well, okay. So anyway, it's not just Eric Bana either. I mean, so um, Jennifer Connelly's father is played by Sam Elliott. And there's a couple of times where he just gets angry for anger's sake. It feels like he just kind of goes a little bit over the top with it, which. What? What are you talking about? So they're in the secret military base where they're they're holding Eric Bana uh, because she's basically turned him over. And he's yelling about I don't even remember what he's yelling about. Something like he's been working on this for a long time. And like, I don't know. I just remember him Glenn facing Tom away from the camera. took it away from him. Yeah, exactly. What's, what is the problem here? It's a lot Glenn of Tom yelling. Has just has taken away his life work. You think he should not be yelling about this. <laughs> well, just everybody is angry. There's a lot of angry yelling in this movie. And it's a movie about I, anger. I think this is a problem with you. Honestly. <laughs> yeah, this we just don't... sounds like you wanted a movie that was far more low-key. <laughs> <laughs> you, you really wanted the low-key Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> we don't get to that till Thor. <laughs> <laughs> like i'm not sure what it says that when your criticism is people shouldn't get angry i don't think people should be angry at times that they're angry right all that means is that you personally wouldn't necessarily get angry at that point right but that's not that's not a comment on their characters right that's a comment on you so as far as the range of emotions that was shown from all of the characters across the entire movie the one i can think of is anger for the most part, except for Jennifer Connelly, I suppose, is sort of fairly even keeled and I guess shows love. Uh, did, did anyone I mean, have a good uh, cry in this but movie? I don't, Was there, yeah. Were there tears? Even there like angry tears? tears? There were tears. Jennifer Connelly. Yeah, she had at but least it, two or three teary scenes. Okay. and that, But that's it. Although, I would like to point out, uh, in keeping with the these characters are flawed human beings concept, when there's the big accident in the lab and Bruce Banner gets gamma irradiated, uh, Jennifer Connelly's character, her first response is essentially not, oh my gosh, I was so worried that you were, you know, going to be, that you, you had died or something. It was all, oh, you made me feel really upset. <laughs> like she was upset <laughs> with him for making her feel bad and be worried. Like, like it was just such an amazingly selfish response. Well, it could the impression I kind of got that I think they were going for. I don't know if they were really successful. Was that sort of that initial like reaction you get in like movies and TV of like, oh, my gosh, you're OK. And then they like hit them. Right. Like, how could you do that to me? Like, that was kind of what I felt they were going for here. Or it almost I thought it was more like 
like, hey, how can you be so nonchalant about this? Like, you know, he's oh yeah, he's like, yeah, I'm good, I'm fine. Uh, She's like, okay. what? You know, and he's like, whatever. You don't have to wonder why I'm magically better <laughs> when I should be dead. Like, just just accept the paranormal and move on. Yeah, it's it's also not clear how long it's been since the accident happened. Is it? Do they say how long he's been out or how long things have been long enough to be checked up by the doctors? Okay, but not so long that she's changed her shirt. So she's wearing the same shirt. And I say not long enough that you would know whether you had acute lethal radiation poisoning necessarily. Yeah, (laughs) that is something that could uh, be happening to him several hours later, probably. Anyway, that's just something I happen to know. Oh, yeah, no, one thing I thought was kind of interesting was he got a huge dose of radiation, but by all accounts, they didn't bother to do a blood transfusion. No. <laughs> well, I mean, like, he's he doing was, so well. He was, he's up and he about. that fine. Uh, yeah. They were like, yeah, hey, he doesn't need a blood transfusion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this I is... I did all the yeah. tests I could within, you know, a few hours, and I can't find anything wrong with him, so he must be fine. <laughs> yeah. This is this is not a criticism of the movie because Wait, I don't think it? yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> is it the case that you wouldn't show any symptoms of radiation poisoning in um, the initial for a few uh, exposure hours period? probably potentially yes. um, yeah yeah it depends sort of for like, a dose like that he got well I don't know like they don't give any information about what sort of dose that would be but I mean I mean it was green. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, what level does it have to be green? Like, does it? <laughs> there are from, like, like people who deal with radiation who have been in serious accidents and didn't know until like you know minutes later, right? They're like, "Oops, I just got a huge amount of radiation." And they're like, "They're seriously people who have been like, all right, I better go home and say goodbye to my family while I still have time because they know there's like they're not feeling any symptoms yet, but they know that they're gonna die. Like that's actually <laughs> happened. So, wow. yeah." It does take a little while. Like you might have a couple of days or something for something like that, but so uh, so they might have been, the they mood. might have yeah, sorry they might have had the observation I mean, period then, and maybe Jen, maybe maybe Betty Ross was so upset, you know, just overcome with grief during that time that she didn't even go home to change her shirt. Yeah, it could. I mean, I'm not criticizing the movie at all for this sort of thing because like. <laughs> Who knows how much time it was, and it's we don't know what kind of radiation it was. And even if they did, I I wouldn't fault the movie. But it was gamma radiation. That's why they purposefully they didn't say X number of days later, just yeah. so that they could give themselves that out because they knew we were going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he was right. He was fine. <laughs> yeah, it's better than fine. He was fine, and she was right to be worried. Yeah. So yeah, how about that, Nick Nolte? I. Didn't know he was oh. in this. It's kind of a fun surprise when we first get introduced to him because his face is <laughs> he's facing the other way from the camera for a long period of time. And by the way, I read that um, if you find that mugshot, that crazy looking mugshot of Nick Nolte, it was because of this movie yeah. that he was growing out his hair like that. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, so that's why I was like, oh, he's looking quintessentially Nick Nolte. <laughs> yep. <laughs> this is like mugshot. Uh, Mugshot Aaron Nick Nolte. <laughs> I just like kind of assume that's how he always looked. Like like Gary Busey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, what I would say about Nick Nolte, what I say about Sam Elliott, and basically everybody here is that I thought they did, they actually did pretty well with the acting for what it is that they had to do. I'm just saying, directing-wise and script-wise, they should have got more than just, I'm angry all the time. I... Just think you're wrong. I, okay. I'm just yeah. going to straight up say it. I, I think that's the wrong opinion to have about this, and you should feel bad about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get personal. <laughs> I've got a couple of uh, Jennifer Connolly tears wow. falling down you're the middle of my face right bad. now. <laughs> See, this. Like you have. Why aren't you, you mad pointed, right now? <laughs> you haven't pointed me to like any moment where. It would make sense for them to not be mad. Like your Sam Elliott scene, I think, would make less sense if he weren't mad about it. Right? And Glenn Talbot being mad makes sense. Eric Bana being upset makes sense. Okay, so for the Sam Elliott scene, to go back to that, it was more that, you know, he's kind of doing this sort of 
Sam Elliott drawl and all of a sudden yelling really loud. And then he kind of goes back to talking like he was before. <laughs> it's, I think it was more like the sudden abruptness of it. You've never had an outburst? <laughs> I I don't know. Maybe that's just my my the problem with my preconceived notions about Sam Elliott and that I should I should give him more uh, more leeway. Yeah. I almost feel like that was uh, maybe meeting a quota for uh, for the character of Thunderbolt Ross. At least from the comics I read, uh, he seemed like kind of a like like. There's two things that really stand out. One is he's kind of a blowhard, and two, he's very concerned about his daughter uh, dating that giant crazy monster slash <laughs> weak nerd guy. Yeah, so that's one thing that you can def- you all can definitely give insight into. I don't know anything about any of these characters in relation to the comic. Do you felt like all of that came through pretty well? Uh, yeah. Fairly well, yeah. Uh, I think the only decision that I would question is making Nick Nolte the absorbing man at the end, taking on the characteristics of whatever he's touching. I think that's actually problematic, but I would like to wait until we get to the end of the movie before I talk about that. Wait, isn't, we're isn't talking that Victor Creel in the comics? Something like that. But before we get to that, I want to uh, just make it clear that Charlie is wrong <laughs> about his his feelings. <laughs> Your objection has been entered into the record. <laughs> it's now new right. canon. Much like, it's much right up like there with, with Eric eight. Santa <laughs> and everyone in this movie only has one setting, anger. Charlie's opinions only have one setting, wrong. <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> it wasn't meant to be that kind of a statement. It's meant to be a joke. I'm a very level-headed person with no emotional trauma, and I wouldn't behave like that. This movie makes no sense. (laughs) I I did like the backstory between Jennifer Connelly and Sam Elliott, though. Like, when we actually see what happened there, that kind of made sense to me. So we get the scene where she's sitting with him, eating some ice cream, and then the explosion happens. So this is back in the flashback in the past. And he literally just gets up and leaves her there. I think he yells to the owner of the store, like, yeah, take care of my kid for me. So he's literally abandoned her for like to deal with all this stuff for the past 30 years. Well, the base is about to explode, right? Yeah. Priorities. I, don't know. yeah. I, I, I get like, I might do the same thing, but I mean, I think that's pretty... Like, that's what it was there to show is like, all right, that has become his priority ever since then. Mm-hmm. All right. So as Nick Nolte as the abusive father, was he abusive? Was that related to the research he was doing or was he just an awful person the whole time? I kind of felt like, oh, maybe he has anger issues because he's been injecting himself with this stuff. But are we like, I don't know. How did you guys come down on that? Was that clearer to you than it was to uh, me? I, I don't know if it was clear. I guess I just sort of assumed that, you know. Once an asshole, always an asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it seemed to me like it was part of his, you know, just part of his character, I guess. Right. It's. I didn't get the impression that in him injecting himself with the stuff changed him in any way, like uh, in terms of personality. Yeah. I mean, come on. His response to, no, you're not allowed to do any uh, more experimentation, was to experiment on himself. <laughs> We know that always works out. A little unhinged. Yes. (laughs) Only a little, though. Hey, that's actually the second time we've seen that uh, plot point, isn't it? Yeah, I was thinking of uh, Doc Ock. Wait, what? What? Oh, never mind. Not Doc Ock. Uh, We're not there yet. Green Goblin. I switched him with uh, Green (laughs) Goblin. Yeah. Although, granted, I mean, yes. You're not wrong about Doc Ock. <laughs> we, we will see that. <laughs> it's common to the Spider-Man villains in general. I mean, the the lesson here is that you shouldn't impede science. Yeah, it's really, really that's the takeaway. <laughs> what scientists are good time? people until wow. you uh, until you take away you their funding. Saw Spider-Man two. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you guys remember Spider-Man two properly. <laughs> All right, so then let me ask you a question that will perhaps be less dis- divisive, although maybe not. But so it's uh, it's 2003, and uh, we're starting to get to the point where we have fully realized CG characters with Jar Jar Binks and mm-hmm. things like that. So here we have a movie that relies, I think, pretty heavily 
on the the CG effects of of uh, Eric Bana as the Hulk. So how well do you think they did on that? Uh, he you looks either, like a cartoon. You can either talk in absolute terms or for the time terms, or uh, I think uh, this is pure speculation, but I'm guessing that they said they probably said to themselves at the time, "Well, we can't make him look." genuinely photorealistic so let's make him look as good as we can and a little bit cartoonish he, he really feels like he stepped out of uh like he feels like he's the weird love child of an anime and reboot well, I think it was called that. reboot right <laughs> yeah that was, that was the cgi cartoon in the 90s and uh recently rebooted on netflix oh, oh. There's, a, there's a new series of reboot yeah. on netflix right now but it's not it's not uh, like cgi huh. is it isn't I, it like I don't remember honestly. I think it's like a you know it's like a live action show with that sounds you know, that sounds unholy. It it sound <laughs> I sound, I think it's been to all the people who have been basically being teased for the last couple decades about a reboot reboot. Yeah, that would be like rebooting Beast Wars but with actual animals. <laughs> I'm not saying that wouldn't be a good show in its own right. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> uh, so the particular things that you point out, Doug, I, I agree with, but going back to Spider-Man, Why? that's kind of what I liked about Spider-Man was that I think if they had tried to go much more realistic, it wouldn't have worked. So that the sort of cartoony feels isn't that bad. I, I actually liked, I think for the time it worked pretty well. And even now, I don't know. I didn't have a huge issue with it. I mean, it's not perfect, but at least it has a style and it fits that style. It seemed like, you know, given the, for 2003, I, you know, I, there wasn't anything that I noticed that it like took away from my enjoyment of the action scenes. There was a, the scene and where he first destroys his, his own lab where there's, I think, a sprinkler's gone off or something, and there's water on him, and that that looked a little weird. That's one of the first times you see the Hulk, and I didn't like that very much. But that was water. I thought that was sweat. Oh, maybe it was sweat. I don't know. It well, I don't know. It's liquid on the surface of his skin. Well, are are you complaining yeah. that you can't tell the difference between whether it's sweat or water? That that's a CGI's fault. <laughs> uh... I don't think I'm complaining about it. I'm just kind of <laughs> spitballing. Liquids are observing. Tough, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're both these are. <laughs> yeah, like like that kind of gets just a little bit more to the he he looks kind of cartoonish. Yeah, yeah. Like like now that they went all in on the cartooniness, but they you know waded into the shallow end. Well, you gotta avoid that uncanny valley on the other side. Yeah, that's yeah. I think. Into what Charlie was kind of saying, I think if they had tried to make it photorealistic using the the technology of the time, I don't think it would have worked as well. I think it would be glaringly bad. Whereas this just looks kind of maybe a little bit incongruous, but not bad. Although I think they did a really good job of merging the CGI with the actual effects. Like he's smashing up the lab, he's jumping, you know, through the buildings. And I never got the feel that it looked wrong when he. Yeah, was yeah, like it actually felt like he was in the environment, not that yeah. he was like yeah. sitting on top of things or you know. I I did notice that it seemed particularly well done. The beginning of the end of the film have the Hulk in sort of dark areas for the action sequences, but that middle section. That's probably my favorite part of the movie was him out in the desert fighting the tanks and the helicopters. Oh. <laughs> I mean, people might not agree with me, but leaking. I I thought that was a fun scene. No, no, I mostly enjoyed it, but I thought it was funny that he grabs one tank by the turret and swings the entire tank around, and then immediately after that, he pulls the turret off of another tank without <laughs> very much effort. So you like you you see it, and you're just like, shouldn't the body of that first tank have just gone flying off? <laughs> like like he's just holding on to the he's just holding on to the gun barrel somehow bringing the whole tank with it nah, yeah. must, must have been the uh the lateral forces uh <laughs> it could withstand but the straight up force yeah. ripping that off yeah no good different <laughs> and uh stanley has a cameo 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. With it's Lou very Ferrigno. early in the movie, too. And Lou Ferrigno, yeah. Wait, where was Lou Ferrigno? He's the other security guard with Stanley. Oh, wow. Is this Stanley's first speaking cameo in these movies? Has he spoken prior to this point in any of the films? Oh, huh. Maybe not. Hmm. I'm going to say this is his first speaking cameo. I wouldn't argue with you there. In a Marvel movie. Yeah. How about you, Adam? What did you think about the the effects? I don't think you chimed in. Uh, I agree with you guys. I think they were pretty good for their time. Uh, I agree they're a little cartoony, particularly in uh, relation to uh, like the current Mark Ruffalo Hulk where it's very clearly a Mark Ruffalo. And this is like, takes a little bit more uh, suspension of disbelief, I think, to see Eric Bana's face in this Hulk. When you're talking about Mark Ruffalo, Hulk, you're talking about the green guy, right? Not not the white guy, not the Caucasian guy, right? What? Because you kind of expect <laughs> oh. the Caucasian one to oh, have Mark you're talking, Ruffalo's face. <laughs> talking oh, about man. Hulk form, <laughs> not just Mark <laughs> Ruffalo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, or were you upset that uh, the Hulk in this movie didn't look like Mark Ruffalo? <laughs> <laughs> he could have looked a lot less like Mark Ruffalo, that's for sure. <laughs> On the scale of like similarity of Mark Ruffalo, it's pretty close, really. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> so yes, fine. On board with most of the effects. I think the only effect that I that really stuck out to me was in the final fight scene when he's underwater. There's a shot of his face that looks like it came off a of PS2, basically. Oh yeah. oh, yeah, I have the exact same thought. I'm just like, oh, I'm watching a pre-rendered cutscene, but everything else seemed fine. The final fight scene was all right. I like the I like the electricity stuff and the kind of fighting through the yeah. clouds. I thought that was all right. And then the rest of it was just like sort of like a what's going on sort of deal. Yeah. But before we get to that, right, let's sorry, actually yeah. just talk a little bit, I think, about the general style that yes. Lee's trying to bring to this yeah. picture. Yes. This is what I've been waiting the whole time to talk about. This is specifically why I say it's uh, it was a more interesting movie than I expected it to be. Is that he's clearly trying to evoke comic books in a very direct way with uh, using the screen as various panels, but where each panel has its own action happening at the time. It's not like frozen panel, frozen panel, right? It's like, yeah, here's a scene. Here's a different angle on that scene. Here's a different close up or something else that's happening in that scene as a just sort of way. It's, it seemed like to give the movie not only a comic book feel, but also a bit of a, of a forward motion. Cause you know, there's not actually that much action in this movie. Like I said, there's it, I, to me, it seems much more interested in dealing with, you know, how these characters feel and like what they're going through than Hulk smash. So a lot of the techniques that he used, I think work very well in comic books. I thought it was just constantly these weird scene transitions and the, the different frames to the point where it was almost jarring. Like I couldn't, I couldn't get a quite get a sense of what was going on. Or you switch, uh, like for instance, there'd be a scene be- between Jennifer Connelly and Sam Elliott talking on a phone. Very simple. Like normally, what you do in a movie is just cut back and forth between the two people occasionally to show their facial expressions. But he would have a frame come over from the side, kind of then it would split down the middle, and then it would shift over to another side, and then suddenly the frame would be split by the contours of somebody's face instead of like the split screen. And it would just be these constant constant switching between the different techniques where I felt like jerked back and forth. Maybe a more straightforward style would have worked better for those sorts of conversations. I understand what he's trying to do, but it's just all of the time, like every single scene transition and sometimes like in between in, in the exact same scene. So you're saying that people shouldn't experiment with films? No, I, I think that's fine. Uh... But, you know, when you experiment, you change one variable at a time, right? <laughs> you know, like, let's Charlie, throw everything Charlie. at you in one scene. Not necessarily true, All right. Charlie. Okay, I'm, I'm you're, gonna right. Bring this up. you're right. I'm going to bring this up Design down the road. When you start, I'm going to bring this up down the road when you start bitching about how the Marvel movies are all the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would like to be on the record. We're not agreeing with Charlie on this sentiment, or at least just don't paint me with the same brush as him. Sure, sure. I I have stuff to say on this, but I really want to hear what Paul has to say first before I just 
attempt to steamroll the conversation. <laughs> um, well, I can see where you're coming from, Charlie, in that I found some of the transitions or like the different styles of transitions a little jarring sometimes. You know, I thought it's a cool idea, but you know, there were I guess there were times I wanted a bit to be a little more consistent, like, you know, stick with just the like, yeah. the comic book frame style, yeah. you know, rather than have these different styles of transitions. And then, you know, I thought kind of the, the panel scenes where there's like either multiple angles was was pretty cool, but also like a little disorienting. And then I'm like, OK, what is this looking at from what angle? But I think it was at least somewhat successful in evoking the feeling of reading through a comic book. You might, you know, one page in a comic might have you might be looking at something that could be potentially happening at the same time as the previous frame. So it kind of captures that potential simultaneity, which I thought was pretty cool, but not always easy to follow. As a movie, that's hard to absorb, though. Like a comic book, you can spend some time on the page and like peruse it. Yeah. So I didn't hate all of it. Like, there were times where I thought it worked really well, like the multi-panel thing when they were showing all of the different, um, like the tanks and the uh, helicopters and like all the different types of weapons that they were eventually going to use against the Hulk. I thought that was actually pretty effective where you can show all of those things at one time in a very interesting way and potentially get through that scene a lot quicker. What I didn't like was that that scene was still like two minutes long. It's like you're showing all of these things at the same time, which means you should be able to get through it in like 15 seconds. But that was a pretty long, like roving through the desert with all these uh, military weapons scenes. I guess that depends on how much time you want people to spend absorbing each panel, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to say, like, again, first viewing, I hated, hated, hated what Mr. Lee was doing here. Um, this time, I, I still... I'm still not fully on board. Like it feels overbearing at times. I definitely see what Charlie was saying with, you know, it, it's jarring. Um, but I at least appreciate that he was doing something different here. Um, I think he went too far, but you know, I mean, it's, I, I definitely can fault, fault him for trying something new here. Cause I thought it was to an extent where it actually detracted from the story. Like, when you're doing weird experimental things, you still have to ask yourself, does this enhance the storytelling? Oh, someone who's never seen a it, French New Wave film. I think, <laughs> no, I, have not, I don't even know what that is. Storytelling? <laughs> and there's a couple things I just wanted to hit on that were, I guess, maybe odd or could have been better. Uh, I actually went and looked it up. The TV show 24. Uh, started in 2001. So really? this was not something that uh, that Ang Lee was pioneering here. I'd say the main difference between this and the kind of split-screen stuff we would see in 24 uh, is that a lot of the times in Hulk, you would have you know one of those split-screen things moving, like panning across the screen. And I don't feel like that's what you want. I feel yeah. like that's kind of the opposite of what you want. You don't want the little split screen thing to be a still scene moving across the theater screen. You want it to be staying in its corner, but something like a whip cut to you know, uh, like a plane up in the sky or a helicopter. You want in that image that kinetic feel. Well, like, maybe like the movement was trying to enforce like an order to some extent. Hmm. Like, oh, you look at this one first, then this one. Oh, maybe. Whereas if it's static, I mean, you know, there's a general or, you know, top left to bottom right. But that's not just kind of how you would watch a movie, you know. Yeah. You'd kind of just pick up, you know, look in the middle and then look all around. Well, I guess that, I guess that's kind of what I'm saying is you... You want it to be, you want your eyes to be attracted to the motion, but I feel like that motion should be what's going on within the frame, not the motion of the frame itself. Mm -hmm. Like that to me was kind of what made it more distracting than it needed to be. Like there's too many, too many points of motion, almost like you should only change one <laughs> variable when you're experimenting. <laughs> <laughs> I will cut you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it's really well put, Doug. I mean, I 
I 100% agree with what you're saying. Like, I actually do appreciate that he was trying to do something different. And I don't mean yeah. to like ultra criticize that. I'm just saying he probably went a little bit overboard with it and yeah. could have been more sparing of his use of it. So, I mean, it's a good point. There were times I almost wanted more of that. Really? You know, it sounds kind of weird, but it I don't know exactly how this would manifest, but it seems like you could go a little more all in on it because it's almost like the difficulty of taking in the multi-panel scenes is like transitioning your mind from I'm just watching a normal action movie with normal types of cutting from this shot to this shot, watching like I would watch any other movie. And then it's like, okay, a whole new paradigm. How do I take this in? Oh, okay. And then back to normal. Whereas I feel like if you were kind of more absorbed in the more frequent panels, you would, you know, you could do a little more with it or maybe it could come across a little more, yeah. a little less confusing or jarring. Oh, okay. So kind of like make it de rigueur, you know, make it clear that yes, this is the language visually that we're going to communicate the movie to you. Yeah. Because like, do, doesn't it not really, does it really happen very early in the movie or does it, I, I mean, I don't there were some interesting choices at the beginning. Like, I think the first time I noticed it was when Bruce's mother says that she's she's going to have a baby. And then there's sort of that weird, uh, like, circle circle wipe where it shows her in labor, oh, <laughs> like, out of yeah. the middle of the screen, yeah. where I kind of knew, okay, mm-hmm. something weird is going to be happening the rest of this movie. But, yeah, I don't think it did a good job teaching us kind of how to watch the movie at the beginning, where I, I think you're right. If they'd started off with the slower scenes and give us a way to like get used to seeing that and then when things get more exciting you can actually follow it yeah yeah maybe or maybe you could try that and it wouldn't end up working but who knows maybe maybe there's a story we don't know about it could Uh, be yeah you know maybe there's a director's cut that needs to be made (laughs) and and watched all panels (laughs) the director's cut I'll, i'll say this again Going back to when I saw it, you know, like 14, 15 years ago or whatever, I thought at the time, this is really stupid and offensive, like just to my sensibilities. Now, I don't get that feeling. It's more, I appreciate what he was trying to do. I think the execution is, it's kind of like he, you know, really cool somersault didn't quite stick the landing. Like it's, it's not, it, it doesn't quite work fully, but I don't fault him for trying. I think it works fine. You all are dumb. <laughs> I think I think that might be a reason. I feel like this movie was wasn't this this was pretty like panned at the time. Yeah, right? yeah. But yeah, I, I think it's like really people have gotten a lot more like given a lot more slack in subsequent years. Okay, I I I think I agree to a large extent that uh, its reach exceeds its grasp. Uh, there are some scenes where it's a little disconcerting but in general i admire the attempt to do something different and to kind of evoke that comic book feel and in general i didn't have trouble following you know the individual scenes that were happening in the panels and stuff so i think it's i I think it's great i'm just gonna throw this out there (laughs) uh you don't know how far you can go until you pass that point yeah no yeah Yeah, that's i i feel like that's consistent with with what we were saying yeah just like you said paul all panels all the time. <laughs> Just like they do in Infinity War. What? No, not... <laughs> I always Sorry. wondered how they how they were going to cram that many characters into one film. It turns <laughs> out that... in picture in picture. Well, it turns out that they uh, split all the characters up and you just watch all their scenes happening simultaneously in the various corners. It's kind of like playing Goldeneye. <laughs> I, I guess I guess the real question I have is, does Wolverine show up as a part of every team? Uh, I don't want to give any spoilers. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to bring this up because I call it a feeling I don't think anyone else is, going, is likely to you know, mention it. But at the end of the movie where they've got Bruce Banner and his father, David Banner, facing each other in the chairs with the really bright white lights on them and the, the crazy science, electromagnetism, whatever machines behind them. Like the way that scene played out, I really enjoyed because it felt like watching a stage play, just watching Nick Nolte and Eric Bana interact. Anyone else get that feeling? No. Nope. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I, yeah. I, 
I I think I'm at this at that point uh, more disappointed that the movie is still going. <laughs> I still wanted him to be leaping through the desert. I I think that's actually that probably <laughs> my main complaint with this movie is that it runs for thirty minutes longer than the natural endpoint. Yeah, yeah. To me, the natural endpoint is him reverting back to Bruce Banner in Betty Ross's arms where they have the like you found me conversation right like that should that to me seems like the natural denouement of the story and then suddenly we tack on like 25 30 minutes with the absorbing man for like no obvious reason whatsoever gotta tie up that loose end right that loose end that is only there let him out of jail to tie up that loose end right (laughs) yeah i mean if you add up all of the nick nolte parts it's probably about a half hour so, yeah. I mean, I, I like that part of it, but as far as Adam saying that it was half hour too long, well, there you go. It just it, it feels like it feels like the return of the king, like that everything everybody complained about, right? Like the movie just keeps ending. <laughs> <laughs> well, this one at least didn't fade to black like three times. Like, I was I was a fan of that. I cuz I was all every time it <laughs> faded to black, I was like, I don't want it to be over. <laughs> and, and then when it would come back, I was like, good. <laughs> and you better not stop. I don't. <laughs> they still haven't shown him get go to you know get on the boats yet or whatever. It it just felt like they had decided at some point. Oh, we're making a Hulk movie. We should put in a Hulk villain. Let's choose the Absorbing Man. We have no way to fit this into our story, so let's just shoehorn him in at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Right. It's not like there's anything inherent about the character of Bruce Banner's father. Like that's not absorbing man in the comics. Right. The absorbing man's a completely different character. So it's not like they're like, oh, we had Bruce's dad. We have to have absorbing oh. man because that's not a thing. See, not knowing that I like I just assumed that they did that because they were the same. Yeah, but, but they're not by watching the movie. You would naturally think that I makes a lot oh. less sense. It kind of makes sense in that they explicitly be they have the Hulk be like, here's all my pain. You can't take it. And he's like, I can't take it. I'm going to turn into a giant blob. <laughs> right. But beyond that, eh. uh, I was I was wrong. It's Carl Creel, not Victor. Carl Creel is the absorbing man. Ah. Carl Crusher Creel. Yep. But I mean, there could be any number of ways that we could be that. Bruce Banner could deal with his past with his father without literally having his father be a character in the present. I mean, any other <laughs> or, other number of ways he could remember what had happened to him in the past and get angry about it. Or they could have had, you know, him be hit Nick Nolte be in the movie as his dad. Right. But just not have the absorbing man part yeah. of it. Just have him be a jerk. Yeah. 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 Have him sick the mutant dogs on Betty Ross. And that can be like the main thing. Yeah. I was kind of annoyed at the beginning of the film about, okay, why is Bruce Banner doing the exact same work as his father? I hope they explain it. And then they pretend like they're going to explain it, and they actually bring it up, and I'm like, oh, great. And then they don't explain it. Like, they go so far as to say, like, oh, here's an actual issue you might have had with all the coincidences going on so far, and we'll just say, no, I guess it's fate or whatever. I didn't like that. That All the coincidences? That's the only coincidence. I guess it's fate, or he's damned, or whatever. I'm like, oh, it's just synchronicity. I, I the exact same research. I mean, if They're it's not like doing the exact same research, yeah, uh, I guess it's yeah. The combination of their researches created the Hulk. It it's very similar research that very small numbers of people in the country are going to be doing. What? There's yeah, only like three was... types of research that you can do. <laughs> it's it's genetic manipulation. <laughs> It's uh, radiation. Radiation <laughs> is studying mutations and the uh, homo superior. <laughs> what else is there? <laughs> hey, it really was hey, inevitable. Look, look, just just saying it was enough of a coincidence that General Ross, you know, needed to felt the need to verbalize that it's the same dang research. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, if they hadn't have brought it up, I would have just, it, it'd be a lot easier to let it slide, but. Yeah. 
yeah, know, just like be to... like, oh, movie, plot, whatever, who cares? Like, that's not what I'm concerned <laughs> about. But the fact that they mentioned it in dialogue, it's like, okay, well, I guess that is kind of weird. You might <laughs> yeah. want to, you might make the case that that's some of Bruce's like repressed memory subconsciously coming to the surface that he remembers that his dad okay. was doing those sorts of things. Oh, all right, all right. That's a that's a conclusion you have to come up with on your own. Like they don't kind of hint at it. Yeah, I at least not in an obvious way that I could pick up on. Be a very interesting question for the the screenwriter is okay. You found an issue the audience could potentially have, and then you decide to directly address it, and then not not finish the thought. It's like just really <laughs> strange. Isn't that literally lampshading? <laughs> I guess. Yeah, <laughs> there's literally a term for this. <laughs> Wait, that's what lampshading is? Hey, hang a lamp lampshade on it. You you bring up the issue and then move on to go. Ha, we know it. I think basically we just need to actually uh, we need to start getting guests that are connected with the uh, with the movies. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you want producer and screenwriter James Seamus? Well, <laughs> maybe like call people, try to get a hold of people on the periphery. You know. Like fully find some obscure people nearby in the credits like just like danny alfman he's pretty <laughs> oh, <yeah>. obscure <laughs> all right so we've all had our chance to voice some feelings about the movie hulk so i guess ultimately how many uh i don't know exploding frogs <laughs> uh, thought about that but <laughs> how many rims of gamma radiation <laughs> right, it's like something like that because it's not a gamma bomb, but uh, it's like uh, yeah. how many mutant dogs? How many mutant? <laughs> I guess you could make those into emojis. <laughs> Boy, if we're do- if we're doing mutant dogs, you better hope you have an integer as your uh, rating. Otherwise, it's going to get pretty grisly. That's why it's mutants. Yeah, I mean, you don't you don't need dogs. to be a full mutant dog to be useful no i don't care whatever whatever standard you want to set rays of gamma radiation or <laughs> gamma explosions or gamma accidents <laughs> knife, <laughs> knife wounds to the shoulder yeah. <laughs> how many accidents would you give this movie? <laughs> 10 accidents out of 10 how I many uh, everyone how about pairs of uh infinitely expanding shorts <laughs> i like that one yeah let's go with that right. <laughs> the, the the crazy thing is how they will shrink back down that yeah. is the important piece well, I, thought, I noticed in the last shot he'd like they're actually really big on eric banna they are they're like they are. you know big. yeah like they they did that i mean because when he's in those like that was when he was in the uh like they could have had a specially designed you know <laughs> for, for that purpose because they wanted to you know guys we gotta think about this ahead of time we don't want to see his junk when he turns into the hulk <laughs> go get some xxxxl <laughs> athletic shorts <laughs> just tie a knot in there that can you know tie a like a <laughs> slip knot you know like kind of loosen as he grows <laughs> <laughs> so as far as the movie actually goes uh i i enjoy it it's by no means is it a perfect movie despite some of the comments i've made i mean i'm responding to comments that were wrong but <laughs> <laughs> but seriously um if i i think if you go into this expecting less of a an action hulk smash movie and more of an, a, a character study and examination of like broken people finding each other and how they deal with that and how their emotional traumas manifest themselves physically as Jennifer Connelly's character says, I think it's Jennifer Connelly's characters says to at one point. Right. And so the Hulk being like the ultimate physical representation, you know, of emotional trauma in some way. Uh, I think there's actually quite a bit here to, to enjoy. Uh, I agree that, some of the the direction stuff it does get a little disconcerting kind of pushes a little too far and while while i do admire that they did that you know it does kind of cause problems um in just terms of connecting with the movie you got to work a little harder at it which isn't necessarily a bad thing right but it is you know something you have to 
be more conscious of. Uh, my main complaint with this movie is that, again, the, the ending just feels tacked on. They should have dropped the Absorbing Man plot completely and left that for the sequel they didn't end up getting right. But trying to shoehorn it in and making it tie in with his dad for no apparent reason kind of brought things down for me. So for me, uh, this movie, I think, is probably on par with like Blade 2. So I'm going to give this seven stretchy shorts, pairs of stretchy <laughs> shorts out of out of ten. One for every day of the week. One for every day of the week. <laughs> All of them in a nice deep purple shade. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I think I agree with basically everything Adam was saying about the movie. I think the main disagreement that we had was just as far as the emotional range that the characters showed. I think it was the only thing we really disagreed with at all um right and we established that you were wrong on that sure you yeah apologized <laughs> <I'm>, yeah. <laughs> that's in there somewhere i'm you, sure you apologized directly to ang lee for saying that <laughs> mr lee you don't know me but <laughs> i'm aligned to film you made 15 years ago <laughs> um uh, i'd say i would give it six stretchy pants out of 10 um yeah i think the things that bother you just bothered me a little bit more i mean not tons more but i i did feel the movie was over long too i don't think i had said that or made that clear but it does not need to be a two plus hour movie it was like 215 or something on those lines well when we consider the fact that your uh scale actually maxes out at nine instead of ten you're pretty much in line with me so. <laughs> Seriously, I don't know what you're saving these high scores for. Uh, maybe by the time we're done, like the Coen brothers will have made a Marvel movie or something. Oh, gross. <laughs> Wes Anderson. Uh, oh, my God. Wes Anderson's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. <laughs> okay, that I might watch. <laughs> the Coen brothers' next wave. Oh, now you make Quint me really sad because I know that we live in a world where that won't exist. <laughs> Quentin really should presents no <laughs> Moon Knight. Oh, um, well, at least it's on brand, <laughs> which is a joke which no one will get because nobody, you know, is familiar with Moon Knight. Knows how reprehensibly awful the character is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the Shroud, a feature by Adam Sandler. <laughs> You shut your dirty mouth, Adam. <laughs> I like the shroud. You shut up. Oh, I like the shroud too. I was trying to come up with an inappropriate pairing <laughs> from the people who brought you pixels. <laughs> to get to my rating, I think I'm going to have to give it a uh, seven out of ten. Um, which and this is going to sound a little bit weird, but is m possibly more than I than it deserves. But I'm giving it an extra, probably full extra point because they actually tried to do some different stuff not just with uh the editing but you know with this we didn't get into it much but with the storytelling um like it, it just it has a very different feel from all the other marvel movies so i i think i'm gonna give it you know extra give it a full point extra for trying something different seven pairs of pants out of ten all right you know i'm I enjoyed this movie. I could have gone for like maybe a little more action scenes, but that said, I understand, you know, that what they were going for, but overall I thought it was, that was pretty good. I enjoyed like the leaping through the desert scene so much that I like, I wanted a little more of that, but you know, overall I, I think I'd give it 6.5. Uh, stretchy pants. So one chose. pair has been torn, like a leg's fall come off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, one is one is like capris, and the other is like <laughs> just you know briefs. <laughs> so for you, really this more is of a also, thong at this point. Mm -hmm. For you, this is also on par with Blade Two. Yes, actually, as it would happen. Liked it a little less than Spider-Man and a little more than the Fantastic Four. Right there in the Blade 2 pocket. Well, that just about wraps it up, I think, for this edition of the Merry Marvel Movie March. Thanks for 
listening. And uh, please join us on our next in- installment when we move forward to April 2004 and The Punisher, starring Thomas Jane and John Travolta. Mm. Ooh. Uh, for another edition of the Go Besky Wallace Report, my name is Charlie Wallace. I'm Adam. And a special thanks to our two guests, uh, Paul Wilcox. It's been a pleasure. And first-time guest, Doug Gobeski. Uh, uh... <laughs> this reboot's too I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, on the one hand, thanks for having me, but on the other hand, I'm not sure you're going to remember me thanking you. <laughs> might have to, we might just have to reboot this reboot. Uh, are, are we going to deboot? Oh, the DC approach. A deboot? Ooh, Ooh. deboot. <laughs> Episode 140, Deboot. <laughs> hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to our show. Make sure to check out our website at GobeskiWallsReport.com. Hey, everybody. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Just follow us at GW Report and like our page on Facebook, the Gobeski Wallace Report. And hey, everybody. Tune in to next episode where there's sure to be tons more hilarity that we know you'll enjoy. Hey, everybody. Oh, and uh, the other thing I I thought while watching this, apropos of nothing, made me think of Paul, because I know Paul likes geology. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say (laughs) (laughs) the moment where they're like, "Oh, these ancient rock formations, let's completely destroy them." They're just they're they're destroyed like really well known. Yeah. When he says parking, like it was already bad before that, but when he makes the parking lot comment, I was like, "Oh my god." (laughs) <laughs> i like i mean you couldn't get a sense from the scene like ha ah, that's they know what they're doing here they're just like nope let's destroy like these landforms in like bryce canyon or whatever you know yeah, for the viewer cultural vandalism yeah that was kind of tough to watch but also kind of fun because it's like well at least we can watch this get destroyed no it's not actually getting destroyed you know <laughs> like, oh they actually did end up accidentally destroying it No, I'm kidding.